0: Good morning everyone. Hope you're doing well today. It is Thursday, February 25th. Uh, I haven't been outside yet today so I don't know what it's like out there but my guess is it's pretty warm and it's pretty nice because it's Texas and it's been pretty nice but who knows. Hope you are all doing well today and thank you for joining me on this most exciting of Thursday mornings because we are studying Romans chapter 5. Romans Chapter 5. Martin Luther said in the whole Bible, there is hardly another chapter which can equal this triumphant text. In the whole Bible, there's hardly another chapter. Romans 5, one of the best chapters in the Bible, some great stuff. And that's what we're going to study today. And I'm so glad you're coming along for the ride. Well, Let's get started. Verses one and two. Paul writes, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. Since we are justified through faith, we have peace with God. Justified by faith. Peace with God. So... Um, this justification that is given to us by our faith gives us peace with God. Uh, you know, life is full of struggles. It is hard to find peace in life. We struggle with all the stuff of life, with work, with relationships, with, with finances, with the news, with all this stuff. It's all a constant struggle, right? And it's hard to find peace. But what Paul is saying is while you're worried about all the other stuff, while you have to deal with all the other stuff in life, know this, that you will have peace with God. You do not have to worry or struggle when it comes to your relationship with God. And whenever I read this text, whenever I read anything about having peace with God, I'm reminded of Forrest Gump, the movie Forrest Gump we did last summer where we did some pop culture theology and lieutenant dan who finds peace with god after riding out a hurricane right surviving the hurricane and then lieutenant dan finds peace with god this idea that that there are so many among us who are not at peace with god who have not found peace with god and yet through jesus paul says we are at peace with god if you're not at peace with god right now it's not god's fault hear that again If you're not at peace with God right now, it is not God's fault. So, God is at peace with you. What is it that we can do to be at peace with God? Uh, An important, powerful start to this chapter. Okay, we continue with verses 2, the second half of verse 2 through verse 4. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. So Paul realizes that by what he said to begin with, people be like, mm, so what basically what Paul is saying is that life is going to be great for every Christian. Well, Paul, no, 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 that's not it. Life is not going to be great, right? The, we are going to have sufferings. We are going to go through difficult stuff. But perseverance, overcoming and making it through that suffering, through that tribulation, through whatever it is you want to call it, through all the difficult situations of life, persevering through leads to character, and character leads to hope. And hope, hope is a good thing, is a good thing. Now, it's one of those things where it's like, is hope one of those things where sometimes we have more hope than another time? Like, is that is, is it like uh, you know our gasoline tank in our car, right? Where sometimes our hope our hope tank is full, but sometimes as we go through life, it goes down and down and down, and then then the tank is half empty, and then three quarters empty, and then we need to do something to to get more hope in the tank, right? I mean. Do we want more hope? Can we have more hope? Or is hope something that once you have it, you have it? Right? Once you have it, it's yours. You you can't get rid of it. Or you can't have more of it and you can't have less of it. Can we have more hope? And what would our lives be like if we had more hope? Basically what Paul is saying is here, the more suffering we go through, the more hope we have. Why? Well, because the more we suffer, the more we look to a future of God, where God returns, where God makes everything better, where God makes everything as it should. And so the last year, the last year there's been a lot of suffering. There's been a lot of perseverance. The last year has given us an opportunity to find more hope, to see the light at the end of the tunnel, right? To see the cross at the end, and to see the love of God, saying, I will win over all of this. So is suffering a good thing? No, but hope is a good thing. And whatever leads to hope is something that we should not be afraid of. Verse five, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So I love this. God's love has been poured into our hearts like a bucket of love pour. The Holy Spirit takes a bucket of love. Let me pour this bucket of love into your heart. Let me pour this bucket of love into you. I'm going to dump this into you and I'm going to let it overflow because when you pour something and it overflows, that's all right. Just dump it on you. Romans 8 tells us that every Christian has the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Well, how do you know the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, the Holy Spirit is the one who dumps or pours this love into you. So do you know the love of God? If so, then you have the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is with us at all times, but Ephesians 5 tells us that we don't always live in the fullness of the Spirit, meaning that the Spirit is with us, guiding us, and we're not listening, right? That happens, and not and we don't always walk in the spirit, right? That's what Romans eight tells us too that that we don't always let the spirit be the co pilot. You know, we have God with us, but sometimes we don't always listen because there's so many other voices. There's so much else out there to listen to. So, we have God with us who is pouring love into us. Let us. Let us let that spirit guide us so that we can walk and live in the fullness of the spirit. Okay, verse eight God demonstrates his own love for us in this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So, this love that is poured into our hearts, what does it tell us about who God is? Well, it tells us this while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, for the ungodly, those who were undeserving. Paul spent the first two and a half chapters of Romans uh, telling all the people who would read it, all the people who would hear it, that we are not good enough, that we are never going to be righteous. and And the demonstration of God's love isn't displayed just in that Jesus died, but in who Jesus died for, undeserving sinners and rebels. Now, to die for your friends is noble. To die for your friends is noble, but to die for the undeserving enemy, a soldier jumping on a grenade to save an enemy, is unheard of. That's how God demonstrates his love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were our worst, Christ died for us. And I think this is such an important verse for everyone to hear, because we often think about this we all have a better version of ourselves in our mind, right? Like if I can achieve this better, perfect version of myself, then God will really love me, right? If I could become this better person, if I can become a person who gives more, who loves more, who forgives more, who does all this stuff, then I might truly understand God's love. But this is what it means to know God's love. While we were still sinners, while we were our worst version of ourselves, while we were unable to do anything that is good, while we were unable to be faithful and to let the Spirit guide us and to do any of that, while we were at our absolute worst, the bottom, Christ died for us. That's what this says. Powerful. That is the depth of God's love. That is what this, this love that the Spirit is pouring into our hearts. Powerful. Right, verse 9. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So uh, last chapter Paul used, or might have been the chapter before, Paul used a couple different images about atonement. And one is justification. Justified. Justice, right? Uh, I mean, the, 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 this is a legal term. This goes back to the understanding of the court of law, that we have been justified. We have been found uh, not guilty uh, by his blood. We are justified by the work of Jesus Christ. By the death of Jesus Christ, we can also be assured that we are saved from wrath through him. From wrath, this idea of punishment, that God is going to punishment. this, um, And this reconciliation then isn't only helpful when we die, being saved, but it, it helps us now in that It is a promise that whatever bad happens in the world and whatever bad happens in our life is not God punishing us. It's not the wrath of God. God is not actively punishing us for the mistakes that we make, right? I mean, this is powerful stuff. This is stuff that people struggle with. This is the bad theology that we see in the world today, that anything bad that happens is because God is punishing people. But we shall be saved from God's wrath through Jesus meaning that God is not going to punish people. If something bad happens in your life, God is not punishing you. It's just a bad thing that happens in life, and bad things happen in life. But good things happen in life as well, and nothing, nothing good can compare to what God has done for us through Christ Jesus. So um, God is not going to punish us. Verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So Paul is going to take a a few verses here to compare Adam and Jesus. And so Paul says, Adam is responsible for the fall of the human race, just as sin entered the world through one man. And because sin entered the world, death entered the world through sin. Eve is not responsible, according to uh, Paul. Adam is. Death entered the world and spread to all humanity as a result of Adam's sins. But it says, and in this way, death came to all people because all sinned, meaning that yeah, Adam was the first to do it, but everyone else did it as well. So, you know, in Adam, we all sinned because we are all sinners. It's just part of our DNA, right? Verse 15, but the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many had died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So, so here we have again this, this representation, this uh, comparison, Adam and Jesus. Adam and Jesus were both completely sinless men from the beginning, and both of them did things that had consequences for all of humankind adam's sin had a consequence for all human race as a result of adam's sin we all die everyone who is born dies no one survives we all die jesus gives a free gift that has consequences for the entire human race but in a different way adam's work brought death jesus's work brings life Jesus' work brings life. Paul says that the gift of righteousness through Jesus is just as certain as death. The gift of righteousness, this thing that God does for us through Jesus, is just as certain as death. Verses 17 through 18. For if by the trespasses of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act results in justification and life for all people. Justification and life for all people. So Adam and Jesus are sometimes referred to or known as the two men because of this, right? Right? But just as something because of one man, so because of the other man. Between them they represent all of humanity. And everyone is either identified with Adam or Jesus. We are born identified with Adam. We are born again after our baptism into identification with Jesus. We are we say, yes, we're one of them. <laughs> Jesus is Jesus represents us. I'm I'm with him. I identify myself with him, Jesus. Yes. And it says, justification and life for all people. So we're going to close today with a conundrum, with a difficult one. Are all people saved? Justification and life for all people. The idea that all people are saved by the work of Jesus whether they know it or not, it's known as universalism. Everyone's going to heaven, even if they don't believe. They're all going, everyone, all people. Is that what Paul is suggesting here? I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say, right? There are several of these types of verses throughout Scripture that lead one to say, hmm, that certainly changes the way I see scripture. That changes, changes my understanding of salvation, if that were true. But we as Christians, we don't really, we say, well, yeah, they're in there, but we don't really know what they mean. And we're not going to say that all people are going to heaven uh, because that's, you know, other places say that only those who believe are going to heaven. So what are we going to do? What do we do with these verses? What do we do with these verses? Well, here's what we do with these verses. We say, we don't know we don't know but but there's a chance there's a chance for all people we know that god is graceful we know that god is loving we know that heaven is invitation only and the only people who get in are the ones who god wants to let in that's god's choice and and what i think is god wants to let everybody in that's what i believe God wants to let everybody in and say, hey, y'all can come in, but guess what? It's my party, and it's going to be my way. And if you want to come into my party, you're going to do the things I want to do. You're going to play bingo if I want to play bingo, right? But here's what you're not going to do. You're not going to be mean to each other, right? Love is going to rule. All all will glorify me. That's what heaven's going to be. It's being with God and glorifying God for all of eternity. And if you don't want to do that, you don't have to come in. You can go to the other place. But if you want to come in, you can. And so we just trust that God's going to do what God's going to do. And that God is a a God who wants to be reconciled to all people. And all people will have the opportunity to be reconciled. But we don't know for sure. We don't know for sure. Uh, In this life, though, I can say this that in this life, faith makes a difference. Faith does make a difference. And, and we believe today and we serve God today, not just because of this promise of salvation, but because faith makes a difference in everyday life. And I hope that's true for you as it is for me. So, okay, Romans chapter five, a beautiful scripture. And we will stop there. So we'll close with prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for the promise of salvation. We thank you for justifying us through the blood of Jesus and for uh, opening your kingdom to all people. We pray that uh, as your people, as those who identify ourselves with you, that we would be the light for others so that they may see your grace and see your love through Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful Thursday and a wonderful weekend. We will see you at church Sunday morning, 9 a.m. outside, 11 a.m. inside. Uh, stay dry, stay cool, stay warm. I don't know. Stay around 70, wherever you can be, make it around 70 degrees. That's pleasant. <laughs> but if it's not, remember, perseverance leads to hope and hope is a good thing. So have a great day. Talk to y'all soon. Bye.